The bald fat man is Jeff. In the wild, Jeff preys upon fast food and mounting dew. Each new morning, he surprises himself that he survived another day. The dark-hair-bearded fellow is Garrett. His spreadsheets are a way of survival, and his opinions are fine. Just fine. Together, the Jeff and the Garrett form the Give em Hell Brigham podcast. Despite their lack of tangible skills or noticeable intelligence, they not only survive together, they thrive together. So strap in, folks. Things are about to get weird. A new episode of GEHB starts right now. Jeff, what is the bigger story this week? Twitter or Sam, was it Bankman Freed? Freed oh. The bank man fried everybody yeah. that gave him money. And FTX, the whole FTX scandal, both of those, absolutely terrible. Well, Twitter is what it is. People are, everyone's freaking out on the internet right now that Twitter is going to go down forever. It's not. No. Like, it may, there may be a few hiccups. I don't know if everything that Elon's trying to do is going to work, but to think neither does Elon though, to be like, he even put that out there. Right. And he was like, we're going to do some things that are dumb. We'll keep what works and we'll get rid of it. And it's like, is he crazy? Yes. Is he probably a jerk and very abrasive? Yes. Is he well to work with sometimes? Does he do things in a way that a lot of people don't like? Obviously. Yes. Is this going to be a slam dunk that it's all going to fall apart and burn and crash and burn? No. Is it a slam dunk that it's going to work and like all the frigging crazy like people who are like, oh, he's going to restore the First Amendment because he bought Twitter? Like, no. No. It's it's like nobody knows what he's going to do. He's going to try, but to think that he is just like willy nilly doing things without having like considered what the consequences might be is very different but the reason homeboy just spent 44 billion dollars on this like elon musk is a lot of things but he's not a complete moron so right he's not just gonna be like oh no that didn't work in two weeks ago so i better just throw it all away yeah to think he's fine to think he's a moron is pretty ridiculous because it's not like he has like I mean, it's not like he magically fell into one thing and then is like, and has no even, even if he is a moron, he's not just going to like piss away $44 billion and then be like, ah, LOL, that didn't work. <laughs> Better yeah. shut it down. No, and I mean, that's things. He's had companies that have failed, but he's very, like, he's extremely persistent. And that's why he's built multiple successful companies because, like, he is willing to try and fail and try again. That is probably his single best like asset about himself have you seen the clip on that was on rogan of the girl who like a a week or two before elon published or actually bought twitter she posted a video on tiktok of a day in the life of an employee at twitter have you seen this yes oh my gosh and she was like they had red wine on tap she had like a catered lunch that apparently was just something that you have every day, all the time. Um, 
she had a meeting, she said, with a bunch of product owners. And after the after the meeting was over, she was tired and went into like a nap pod that they had. And it was like, no wonder people got fired. My gosh, if this is work, I would literally kill people to have that be my work environment of just, I'm going to work for two hours. And really, that's just kind of like a meeting. And the rest of the time, I'm going to go to the roof and play cornhole while I'm drinking a red wine because I'm stressed out from the day. I long yeah. for that environment. Don't we all? I, it's amazing that Twitter had what? They had like 7,500 employees. I don't know. Some absurd number. Right. Yeah. But then it's funny because people are like, oh, I'm leaving Twitter and I'm going to, was it like Mastodon, which is like the blockchain decentralized like yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter type thing. It's like, that's an open source project with like, I don't know, I could probably see. Yeah, like 40 employees, maybe? Well, I don't even know if they have... Let me look on GitHub how many freaking contributors that they have had. <laughs> uh, let's see. Six for watching. How many? 730 contributors, which most of them have probably just done a very small amount. So it's like literally less than 1,000 employees. They've built supposedly this whole Twitter clone that is not just Twitter. It is a an entire decentralized model that is infinitely scalable. and You can host your own thing, whatever. And they just did that in their spare time. It's right? a like terrible it, name. I know. And so, but it's like the whole concept of Twitter itself of it is like you have a stream of things. You can subscribe to follow somebody. You put them all together. That's very basic. Like even if you look at like those different like no low code, no code websites where you can do like a drag and drop app builder, whatever, all of them have a tutorial of like how to build a Twitter clone in a weekend. Yeah. That's and, the other thing. Like so, so Elon is shut off access for employees because he's afraid he's being sabotaged. And like, great, whatever. Whether that's real, whether it's not, people have said it. Whether they're lying, uh, who cares? Um, I I don't think it would have taken an engineer, let alone like engineers who have engineered Tesla or the ability to build a rocket, send it to space, and land it on a dime. I don't think it's going to take those types of engineers and and developers and coders very long to look at. Oh, this is just one big server that stores information and then spits it back out. It's not like yeah. Twitter's doing anything. Yeah. I was talking to, uh, one of our Hellions, Danny, the other day about this. Cause Elon, he said something about like turning or they were like turning off. He was like, there's too much bloatware in their microservices. And so he was turning it off. And then one of the things that they turned off was like the two factor authentication, whatever. Right. Right. And so, I have done this before, and this is a thing. It's like, okay, if you just laid off half the people, you don't have the institutional knowledge, you're trading off, okay, well, how much am I actually going to be able to get out of them versus keeping them on the payroll? Like he, he I guarantee he probably went through that assessment. And then, okay, well, yes, he didn't think it was going to go perfectly smooth. He just doesn't care that there's bumps in the road because he is like, I, I don't care what the bumps are. I will freaking go over them. And that's that's his biggest trait. And so you turn them off, you figure out which ones people complain about and turn those ones back on and then keep the other ones turned off until you figure out safe to delete them. I do right. that all the time at work when yeah. I'm like, I found something the other day and it was like, oh, we're rebuilding this model and it's our most expensive, longest running thing. I can't find anyone that's using it. Okay, I'm going to stop updating it and see if anybody complains for the next three weeks. And if they don't, I'm deleting, I'm archiving it. That, that's a, I do that all the time. It's yeah. a thing. 
I it go it goes back to what we've talked about on this show several times. When you let the journalist opine on the architecture of Twitter's code, you're gonna get a bunch of crappy information. Period. Yes. Because they're not architects, right? Like I'm not an architect, but I deal with enough architects. I deal with enough code. I I understand at least the lingo. I don't know how to do any of it, but I know what it does. I know how to talk about it, right? Uh, yeah, you're you're turning off microservices. Great. Even if you delete those microservices, they're microservices because they're small. And generally, it's all relative, right? It's not going to be instant that you could just create it from scratch. But it's a microservice because it's small enough that you could fit it in a sprint or two. So worst case scenario, people were without 2FA for, you know, a week, couple weeks. Right, or like you, you can roll it back, or you roll That's it back. A, it, so it's not like it's this crazy thing. It's like so Twitter. You... Bringing it back to your first question, Twitter is a non-story to me. Twitter is a bunch of journalists who don't understand things, but they know that they don't like Elon, or they know that they don't like billionaires, or they don't like or that they what... do, or the other side that they do. Yeah, like yeah, them. yeah, whatever. And so they're just making this a story. But Twitter's going to be fine. It's still yeah. going to be here. It's going to do its thing. This other guy, FTX, and this Afro guy, you know, say what you will about Dave Portnoy, but that dude, the way that he has talked about Afro Sam or whatever he calls him, nailed it. He absolutely nails it. Just go look at Portnoy's takes on FTX over the last several days. That's my take. This guy should be in prison. Oh, he should be. Well, did you? The wildest thing was that. Did you see that they were not even recording customer deposits into their balance sheet? Yeah, it was all just going into a giant slush fund. Yeah, like this is not. I read something that it was like, oh, I think it was their new CEO today that was like, oh my gosh, the complete disregard for institutional controls. Like homeboy, they didn't even have controls. This wasn't a disregard of controls. This was. These controls didn't exist and they were just flying by the seat of their pants. And then they got a shitload of money handed to them and they just started spending so that more people would give them money. Like there was no business plan. And candidly, I would be willing to bet that Sam Afro, Friedman, whatever the hell, I bet you he had no clue that FTX would reach the levels that it did. Had no plan for it. No, and then all of a just... sudden it just kept blowing up with everybody buying crypto because nobody understood what it was. And then... it was like, well, okay. It was just when mommy and daddy are both Stanford professors, that's what you get. Yeah. Right? So that dude should be in prison. Uh, I also, cannot wait for that Netflix or Hulu documentary. Yeah, it's going to be good. That, that's it. that feels more like a – with where Hulu is going, that feels more like a Hulu one than a Netflix one. Speaking of Hulu, have you watched uh, Welcome to Wrexham yet? Uh, no. So Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhinney bought – Okay, the, I'm the, in. The Wrexham soccer team. You've heard of this, right? I'm assuming. Uh, no, I have not heard of this. At oh, all. so soccer, right? In like the, yes. the the English Premier League, the Premier League's the top of the pyramid. Well, I didn't realize. That, How has like, this been on since August? And this is the first time I've literally ever heard about. it. I don't know. And well, I have Hulu. I watch Hulu. I swear I haven't even gotten an ad for this. Well, here you go. I'm telling you. So English soccer league. Everybody yes. knows about promotion and relegation and all that stuff. Yep. It's way deeper than I thought. Like yes, there's like six there's or seven levels. How many levels English soccer system? There's a bunch. There, uh, the system effectively covers at least 11 Holy levels 
Um, but step five overall, it's Charlotte Premier League is a step seven league. Okay, gosh. Okay, you keep going. It's a lot. Uh, so, a uh, couple of years ago, Rob McElhaney, who I love as much as I love Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhaney gets this idea that he wants to buy a soccer team. And he realizes that, oh, I don't have enough money to, to invest everything I need. I need a partner. He does not know Ryan Reynolds yet. Like, he'd never met him. Reaches out to him on Twitter, just slides into his DMs, and convinces Ryan Reynolds to invest in the soccer team. So the two of them together buy this soccer team. The soccer team, Wrexham, it's in Wales. Uh, they are they, they play at this place called the Racecourse, I believe is what it's called. Okay. And it is the oldest international stadium in the world. So they've got like history. And Wrexham used to be, uh, I don't know if they were ever Premier League, but they used to be like the Champions League or whatever's the one step down. They were a proud soccer team, proud town in Wales, proud history. They had slipped down into the fifth tier. And it's like a league that apparently once they you go from tier four to tier five, you lose league funding. You're limited to only players who are from the United Kingdom or something. So like it's a big deal to go down ever, but it's a really big deal to yes. go from four to five. So they buy this team. The documentary on Hulu, Welcome to Wrexham, is they literally have just been documenting everything from their first season, from the, the acquisition and the takeover to their final game of the season. And they do it in this way that this documentary, it pulls at your heartstrings. You, they tell, oh, so this is not like, okay, it, it, well, so this is on. an actual real documentary. It is not, I thought this was Ted Lasso ripoff. No, 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 no. So it's this a real Ted Lasso in real life. It's a real documentary, but what they do in, in ways that only Ryan Reynolds could pull off, right? Like they tell the stories of the supporters of this football club. And it's awesome. And you get to like know the guy who owns the bar across the street and how invested he is into the success of the program. And so you, you, you learn all of these people and you, you get to like ride the, that emotional wave. But then they also, it's still Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. So there's a ton of humor in it too. It's pretty damn funny. It goes 18, 18 episodes, I think. Hmm. It's fun. So okay, I'll have to watch check it. that out. So, okay, so there are 11 – oh, wait, hold – okay, so I'm looking at – okay, on Wikipedia, it goes down to uh, 21 levels of soccer as rated within different things down to like – and there's some big ones. Like level 16, there are 662 clubs at level 16. There are 865 at level 14, whatever. But the actual um, – and so in theory, a club could go from level like 21 or whatever all the way up to the top. But that's probably not going to happen. So the first five levels are all nationwide leagues. And then starting with level six down, it's like level six, there's two leagues. And it's like there's a northern league and a southern league. And then another seven. And then like level seven, there's like, two more leagues each in the North and the South. So it kind of breaks down into like, it's a lot regional. of leagues. Yeah. It's like, it's broken down to like, this is the rec league in your city. And there's eight teams. Yeah. It's and wild. your champion can go up to play the rec league in the County. And if you keep doing that in theory forever, you could be the next Manchester United. So I'm going to have to watch this. Um, it's entertaining. 
It's very entertaining, and I'm officially a Wrexham fan. Okay. So. Right, okay. I will I will be a Wrexham fan with you. I have never followed soccer, but I, I haven't either, but I know that they're second in whatever division they're in this year. So the Good documentary covers last season. Always been a big fan. But I'm a big Wrexham supporter. I think they're the Red Dragons is what they, I don't know. Oh, and they got a cool mascot? Their mascot's a Red Dragon. They actually have some pretty dope-ass gear. They've got a crest. Uh, one thing I'm really jealous of about soccer, flags and scarves. They rock those, and they're awesome. So there's a lot of good things about being a Wrexham fan. Okay. I like Except it. for the winning. They don't win, but. Well, they're in second place. They're winning some. Well, they're winning a little bit now, yeah. This feels like old give them hell, Brigham. We're 16 minutes into this episode, and we haven't even mentioned BYU yet. I know. I was just about to transfer over that uh, apparently there is a, so- a soccer game, a football game on Saturday. Well, speaking of soccer, shout out to the to the Lady Cougies that they knocked off Stanford, who last right. year they lost to Stanford in the national championship last yeah, year. Or no. was it Santa Clara? Uh, I think Stanford. it was Santa Clara. I think they beat Stanford, I thought. That's right. But they lost in PKs in the title game last year. And then today, knocked off the number three seed Stanford. It always feels good to beat Stanford. I yeah, hate them. I, I hate too. Stanford so much. Probably yes. like Stanford is probably one of my five least favorite schools. Yeah. In the United States of America, the entire NCAA. The Even band. If I put Ugh. in every single college in Canada, they would all rank above Stanford in terms of how I ranked all. 330 whatever division one basketball schools we're including basketball all the non-football schools all above stanford i hate them wow i mean i get it but wow that's yeah i mm -mm, i don't do stanford so good good on them for beating stanford uh i didn't look i didn't remember to see who they play next um I have no idea how close are they to like the finals are we there or let's see so where is it? I'm I'm blind. I can't. Oh wait, 2022. This should be it. Where is? I watched the lady. Oh, coup. Uh, it helps if I look at the right half of the thing. Okay, so this was the. Okay, so they're in the one two Sweet 16, and they play North Carolina in the Sweet 16. Is, are they good? On, North Carolina. I mean, it doesn't matter. Go. North Cougs. Carolina is a two seed. We are a six seed. Okay, go Cougs. So what is that? Yeah, I watched the Lady Cougs on the basketball court this week. Um, it's it's going to be a rough season. Lauren Gustin is about the only one who can make things happen on offense, and Lauren Gustin played really well against Oklahoma. Uh, but last year, Lauren Gustin was maybe famous, most famous for rebounding, second most famous for just the inability to like hit the layup. The layups were killers. Uh, and, and she's kind of the focal point of the offense now. Playing well, but uh, there's going to be some some stumbling blocks while while we wait for Amari Whiting and this first recruiting class to come in. Yeah, it's going to... It'll. Well, it kind of feels a little not so hot with the men's yeah. team, too. Well, it feels like there's a struggle bus all around. Um, yeah. I mean, I've watched more basketball so far this year, though, with the BYU struggle bus than I have in the last probably couple of years. And we're only three games into the season. So that's a good start. I do think that this team is going to get better. Whereas the last couple of years, 
BYU has gotten worse as the season has gone on, uh, I do think this team will ultimately get better as the year goes on. At the end of the season, they may end up at about the same spot as they have the last year or so. But uh, I do think it will be a more enjoyable ride for each of us, even though the team won't be all that great. Yeah, they it's I just want it would be nice to have just like a comfortable win, you know, like literally every game is like, oh, yeah, (laughs) but you can't have Dallin Hall hero time if you're comfortably winning. So Dallin Hall is he's my guy. He's one of us. He's from the north. So is Colin Chandler, by the way. So we're going to have two they northerners. Are gonna be, they're going to be fun to see. And they're, they uh, are. We'll see We'll see when they, we see them. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But we will... <laughs> and when we do see them, I want everybody to apologize to everybody north of Salt Lake City. Take back all the Canada jokes. Take back all the every negative. No, 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 no. Take sense. it all back. It's in Canada. It is so cold that you play indoors. You play more basketball. I would assume that you have better basketball players up north. No, yeah, we do. Uh, but it is still football season, and BYU does play a school named Utah Tech this Saturday. And contrary to popular belief, Utah Tech is not the school that was recruiting like Troy Bolton. It's not the school that Chad Michael Murray signed with when when he was in Cinderella Story. Utah Tech is, in oh, fact— you mean high, high school Jeff Hansen? We saw those pictures on the display. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Hansen used to be you were much— svelte back in the day. I used to be much better looking than I am now. now. Now I look like a manatee out of water. But back then, uh, I mean, I was something that—I uh, I was actually talking to my wife about this. Uh, today, she's proud to tell her parents about me. I'm a good guy, provide, good dad, you know, got a good career. But back in high school, not only were you proud to tell your parents about me, you were proud to tell your friends about me too. Uh, (laughs) Jess is not bragging about me to her friends. I can say that with absolute certainty right now. And so that's the biggest difference in my life. And you've just fully embraced all of the glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is who I am now. Uh, So Utah Tech, they're a real school. They used to be Dixie State. Um, They're not very good, even for the FCS ranks, but that hasn't stopped their players for talking shit. And they're talking shit. Some guy named, I don't remember his name. I actually wrote his name down because I was like, oh, I got to remember to talk about this guy because he's talking shit. But that's how little he means to me. And that's how little shit talk from Utah Tech means to me that I totally have forgotten and purged this man's name i think he played receiver i do know that he predicted a final score of 27 to 21 and now typically i wouldn't talk about this yeah i don't know he's talking shit but he thinks it's going to be a one score game so normally i wouldn't give credence to shit talk from utah tech and i don't really care to however there is an underlying story there that we don't get to see from kalani satake's byu very often This guy talks shit, and he talks shit to a reporter, and that reporter then tweets it out. Ooh, yeah. Lorenzo Fawatea, Corbin Green, Mason Wake, several BYU players retweeted it. D'Angelo Mandel said something to it. That's not something that Kalani has allowed his programs to do, right? Bulletin board material hasn't been a thing. Even when it exists, 
it hasn't been a thing. I don't know if that's like a cognizant effort from Kalani to be like, no, they're talking shit. Go pummel them into the ground. I don't know if it just happened and the players are just like, we're going to beat Utah Tech, so we don't care. We could we could respond. I don't know what happened, but we don't get to see that kind of response when people talk shit about BYU under Kalani Satake. So that is the story here. Dude, the... I, I mean, I have been so checked out and so busy this week that I didn't even see the clip and I just thought that it was like a video clip. It wasn't, oh, yeah. even, just, it wasn't even just like some dude tweeting. It was like... No, he actually said that BYU is about as good as Sacramento good as Sac- State, yes. which is which is ironic because Sac State beat Utah Tech by like four scores at the beginning uh, of the year. Let's see. It was 56 to 33. Yeah, so kind of a bizarre flex there. Um, but anyway, I mean, interesting nonetheless, you know, shit talk from Utah Tech, like, okay, great. It's like, it, it felt like the spider talking shit to the boot. Like, eventually the boot just steps on the spider, but like, maybe the boot's busy. Maybe the boot is looking around and that spider could crawl around. Maybe the boot misses once or twice, but eventually, you know, that boot is going to kill the spider. Yeah. Um, I, made, I made that analogy up by myself, by the way, and I think that was really, really well done. I did like it. The weirdest thing, I'm looking at their schedule right now. So they're four and six. They started out the season one and six and are now on a three game win streak. Hey, well, they played played SUU twice. They played at SUU on September 24th and lost 31 17 in a conference game. And then they beat SUU 48 36 at home in a non conference game. I hate that. Did the whack? Okay, let's talk for a minute about the whack and how the whack had their entire like we are going to plan on moving up to FBS. We invited SUU to be along with Dixie, and then we have New Mexico State here, so they're nearby. And then we're getting these Texas schools. And then it was like two of the Texas schools already dipped back to their old conference. Sam Houston State is moving up already. New Mexico State is moving into the Conference USA. Like and now they are friggin' stuck with Dixie and or Utah Tech and SUU. SUU gave up a spot in the Big Sky, which is consistently with since Weber yeah. it has been consistently one of the top two or three conferences every year in the FCS. And now it's like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know, but they because Weber gotta, said no to the WAC and yeah. you said no to the WAC. I got to think that eventually the Big Sky just adds those two schools. I mean, they don't have to, but I do think that I think there's enough talent in the state of Utah that it would be wise of the Big Sky. Maybe not Big Sky members, right? Montana State doesn't want to build up a Utah powerhouse. But if I'm the Big Sky and my headquarters are in Farmington, Utah, which they are, I would think that I would want a strong presence in the state that maybe provides the most amount of talent for my schools. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting too, cause they, yeah. What are they going to do? Cause the, even the SUU wasn't in the big sky for very long. Cause they were no. in the great West forever. And right. well, they were D two forever and then moved up. We're in the great West for like a decade. And then they hopped to the big sky in like 2012, 2013 or something. It was like less than a decade that they were in the big sky and they went to the WAC because they're like, oh, we want to move up to FBS. And then the whole thing kind of fell apart. And now they're in a very crappy conference that with a questionable future. I mean, it, 
I guess you could say like it's worse for basketball, but I honestly don't think it really. When people in low level leagues talk about low major leagues, talk about competitiveness of basketball, it really does not matter at all. Because you're only getting one anyway, right? It's you're only getting one anyway. There's none of them. Like you're like, undefeated. How, ma- how many people? Other than when Dame was there, how many people regularly go to Weber games? Like eight or nine. There's just and, and you're undefeated regular season champ who, you know, rolls through your conference but gets upset in the conference tournament title game. They're not going to the big dance. Like, yeah. You're not a two bit. So I agree. Now I will say if I only could add one of Utah Tech or SUU, it's Utah Tech. There's still oh, yeah. there's money coming into that program. Uh, football is what football is, right? Like neither one of them are powerhouse programs. Uh, but like baseball, Utah Tech, I still struggle. I have to say it repeatedly so that it becomes real. Utah Tech is good at baseball. Uh, they are a good bat. I mean, a, a, it's relative, right? But they've been competitive in basketball. SUU's had its moments, but I think in the non-football sports. Uh, Dixie is is a little bit more consistent at the level that they've been, and I think that St. George is way cooler than Cedar City. So now that they're on the same level, won't take much for anybody who is going to SUU to ultimately end up at Dixie at Utah Tech. Yes, and I definitely agree. Um, and, and maybe that's why. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe that's was part of SUU's move is they thought you know that it's. Going further south, they could maybe get into more. Like if they got NAU to jump to, they could probably pull more guys for Phoenix and kind of tap into being, we're not really Utah, we're Southern Utah, so we're going to kind of try to do more with Arizona, closer to Vegas, whatever. I don't know. Weird. If it was up to me, if I was in charge of the NCAA, I would completely separate. And you cannot do this at, you cannot do this with football at the well you can do football only at the uh, you can be a football only member of a conference at the fbs level but you cannot have a football only conference the way you can at fcs so like in fcs there's the missouri valley football conference which is a conference that only sponsors football that's their only sport and they have a bunch of teams and they're really good teams like that's the conference north dakota state is in uh, you cannot do that at fbs also mm-hmm. if you have seen that you know apparently like uh, Brett McMurphy reported yesterday that uh, Brett Yormark met again with the Gonzaga AD and there is growing mutual interest in adding the Zags to the Big 12. I've seen people say, well, get them for basketball only. The NCAA will not let you do that. You have to. You can. It is Football is the only NCAA sport that can be a solo member other than there's like the list of weird sports where it's like, your like volleyball because, yeah with like yeah. men's volleyball or swimming where it's like your league doesn't like your league doesn't spot if the league if your league doesn't primary league doesn't sponsor the sport then you can like find another home right spot. like um, uvu is in the big 12 for wrestling, for wrestling right right and yeah. so but you cannot move just basketball over and basically right. wherever you put basketball at that is considered your primary conference so if it was up to me i would say football is its own thing you can make your own football leagues and they do not your football leagues have to like nothing to do with any of your other sports football is its own thing 
Okay. And then make everything else like, why does Conference USA go from freaking El Paso, Texas, well, about to be next year, Las Cruces, New Mexico, to Miami, Florida with FIU? It is the only reason they are doing that is because New Mexico State wants to be an FCS school and FIU wants to be an FBS school and they need some place to play FBS football. And it's like, just let them do it football only and then basketball everything else be have careful, a smaller though. regional league behind it. For I the, mean, for, I, and I think what would happen is at the top end, you're still going to have the big, like the, the P5 leagues would still be everything. But give like the Sun Belt and you know give the Sun Belt and Conference USA and the MAC and like the Big South and all of those non basketball leagues that are layered over the top of each other like the Summit League and the Horizon League and all mm-hmm. that crap. Mm-hmm. Let them all like intermingle each other with their non football sports to make it so you can actually have a bussable league sure. and cut expenses because they're not revenue creating sports. So let them just function as cheaply as possible and then go let the money makers make money however the hell they want to. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I could get on board with that, but also I don't really care. Yes. That's, that's the big thing for me is that sure. That sounds great, but I couldn't give any less of a duck fart. What New Mexico does with their why? How did I know in my mind that you were going to say duck fart? And that is your that's my go-to. I I do not care phrase. Yeah, that's my my duck farts. My G rated, my PG rated phrase. Um, And and so I'm 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 staying away from PG thirteen and rated R for the rest of the show. um, Uh, So Utah Tech, it is senior day. One last thing. I don't remember if you saw this. You promised during the boys' game, which we never did a post-game show because my kid got RSV. Um, Dude, every did, child in America is sick right I'm now. Pretty sure, yes, and I've been oh. sick too. Um, is did you go to holiday on the way to church the day after? Oh the game? no, uh, there was a diet. Mountain a man Dew, of your word. I, well, the diet Mountain Dew fairy, not me, um, an unnamed. Saint dropped a Diet Mountain Dew off at my porch on my way to church. Oh, so you didn't have to do it yourself. There you go. It wasn't from Holiday, and it wasn't in a foam cup, so it wasn't exactly the same as it would be had I done Mm. it myself, but it was fantastic, and I am appreciative to that unnamed Diet Mountain Dew Fairy. Thank you, Diet Mountain Dew Fairy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Utah Tech, it's senior day. That's the biggest story. Utah Tech, who cares? But there's 37 seniors and or juniors and or sophomores that are COVID juniors or redshirt COVID junior, senior, sophomores. Nobody knows. Classes don't mean anything anymore for at least another couple of years until all this COVID nonsense is through all of these programs. But there are 37 guys that are going to be honored this week. Uh, Most of them... We don't really care. Like, great, thank you for your contribution to the program, but we don't really care. But I do want to play a quick game with you, Garrett. I have 12 names, and I want to play Will They Stay or Will They Go? Rapid Fire Edition. First word that comes to your mind when I say these names. Are you ready? Yes. Pukunakua. Gone. Jaron Hall. Gone. 
Max Tooley. 80% gone. Keenan Peely. Stay. Peyton Wilgar. Way gone. Jackson McChesney. Gone, but will I think he will either transfer or medically retire. Just because he's been hurt every season he's been here. Braden Cosper. Gone. Blake Freeland. NFL. Gone. Harris Lachance. Maybe stay because he will have a chance to be the guy. Gunnar Romney. He will try it one more time. Or medically retire. Malik Moore. Run it back. Chaz Ayu. Gone. Okay. Are there any that you disagree with? Um, I think that Thule is gone. For sure. I think that Wilgar is a Ute. I think that McChesney is for sure gone. I think that Cosper's gone. I think Lachance, that was the one. I think Lachance is also gone. Do you think Lachance is going, you think he's going to transfer or you think he's going to take his NFL shot and see what happens? I, I think there are a number of guys that, like, look, college football's hard. It's yeah. a grind, right? And some of these guys that have been in the program for four or five years, especially ones who are return missionaries that have been in the program for four or five years, the the notion that they could come back for one more year and build up their draft stock just isn't true. Like, look at a guy like Chase Hansen from Utah, right? Chase Hansen was a missionary. Chase Hansen had a redshirt year, if I'm not mistaken. But he balled out for four years. Like, he was really damn good. Uh, undrafted free agent. Like, he had all yeah. the production in the world, but he was just five billion years old by NFL standards. Undrafted free agent. Taysom Hill. There's no reason that Taysom Hill should not have been drafted. At least a flyer at the end of the seventh round, right? Right. Undrafted free agent. Well, and with him, it's probably actually better that he didn't get drafted because then oh, he yeah. got to pick a situation. I'd yeah. rather go undrafted than be drafted in the seventh round. I think I would too. Um, so I think a lot of these guys are looking at that reality. Like Max Tooley. Could Max Tooley come back and be the man next year and maybe play absolutely great? Yeah, he absolutely could. But unless he is like otherworldly good going to win the Heisman as a linebacker, it's not going to do a damn thing for his draft status because he came out in 2016. The yeah. guy's going to be 25 years old next year. Dude, I remember Mitch Harper and Bean Mace interviewing Max Tooley on, yeah, for, on Cougar, Cougar Center. Center back right. when Cougar Center was a thing. Right. Rest so, in peace. So it's I feel not. Like, I feel like Cougar Center is our spiritual predecessor. Yeah, definitely. in a lot of ways, like definitely. So I think that BYU fans need to mentally prepare themselves for of those thirty-seven guys. Really, all of the ones that are like meaningful contributors, they're probably gone. Almost all of them, with the exception of Gunner. I do think Gunner runs it back one more year. The thing with them leaving is. It's a new world, right? Like yeah. it is a transfer era where even like at the start of the season, over 40% of FBS starting quarterbacks were transfers. Which you is know, back wild. in the day, back in the day, you got the starting job or you transferred. And if you transferred, it was like, oh, well, you weren't good enough to win the starting job. So you probably flopped unless it was the weird situation where you were like, you know, stuck behind someone really good 
and you know, so you needed to go somewhere else, right? Like yeah. and, it was a red but, flag to be a transfer. Right. But now, and if you won the starting job, but sucked, then you just went down in history as a crappy quarterback and you never really got a chance in the NFL, whatever. But now you go and you play and you have some flashes, but it's not really working. You go find somewhere else to go play in a system that's going to fit your game better. And then your name is Bo Nix or Hendon Hooker or Jaden Delora or any other number of quarterback. I mean, Hendon Hooker and Bo Nix were not good at Virginia Tech and Auburn. Mm -mm. And now look at them. They're mm -hmm. phenomenal and playing amazing. And even all season, people are like, oh, we're waiting for that Bo Nix game. Bo I mean, Nix going to Bo Nix. We've seen it before. And then, oh, what do you know? When he's playing in a system that fits in better, he's more confident. And he's just he's playing better because he's playing in a better system. And even, same with a, Hooker. even a guy like Cam Rising, right? Like, say what you will because he's a Utah guy. But, like, the dude was never going to play at Texas. And he came to Utah and he took him to a Rose Bowl a few years ago. If, if you, they win on Saturday, they're going to go to another one. Right. And which if, bleh, makes you want to vomit. <laughs> a few years ago, if you're Cam Rising and you didn't get the starting job at Texas, you're either relegated to a backup until you know you get your shot, or you're going to probably transfer to a Mountain West school or an FCS school yeah. in, in hopes of reboosting your career and then maybe being able to transfer again as a grad transfer. Yeah, the, like, the P5 but, to P5 transfer was not a thing especially, especially at quarterback especially at quarterback so with that and then also a lot of the names it's there to some extent you have to think of like okay which guys are actually meaningful contributors and then which guys are meaningful contributors but you really wish they weren't a meaningful contributor <laughs> there's like a lot of guys on that list i'm like you've been getting a lot of playing time i wish we had someone that was better than you so you were not getting a lot of playing time and yeah. then, but then you go out in the portal and you get some, I think there it's very clear by now. We've very clear. There's going to be changes and turnover with the defensive staff. If they come from different schools. There's a very good chance that, you know, we are probably not going to be pulling assistance from other P five schools. We will be pulling high quality G five assistants mm -hmm. who will bring along with them. Probably some high quality G five players who want a chance to play in the big 12. Yeah. Look at TCU last year. They went and they played, Brought in Sonny Dykes from SMU. They had a losing record last year. Brought in Sonny Dykes from SMU. Held, they started the season, and they didn't even know who their starting quarterback was going to be because they had a two-QB system because neither Chandler Morris nor Max Duggan separated themselves in camp. They brought in a bunch of transfers, played the transfer portal right. They're 10-0 and and sitting at pretty at a shot to go to the college football playoff. Right? Wild. And so they, And so it is a different era. And it's not like now before you transferred because you couldn't get playing time. And now you transfer because you want to maximize your NIL. You want to maximize the system fit that you're playing in. Jordan, you want to max, maximize. Addison won the Bolitnikov. Like there is nothing more that Pitt could have done for Jordan Addison that they didn't do. And he still transferred. Because they lost their starting quarterback and he knew he wouldn't be exactly. able to do it again. It's a new era. Like It's just for better or worse, it's where we are, right? So I'm glad that you brought it up. I'm glad you brought up the transfer portal because what does this mean for the roster? Yeah, it means there's going to be a lot of transfer portal guys. I have no idea. Yeah, there's going to be a lot. Now, the NCAA last year, I guess the beginning of this year, um, 
they got rid of the 25 initial scholarship limit. They did that because Arizona State lost like 40 guys to transfer and they were going to have 50 scholarship players on their roster. And that's the nature of the transfer portal now, right? Like guys can leave whenever. And sometimes if there's a coaching change, you're going to lose like half of your team the same way Arizona State did. So as a result, now you can go and you can sign an unlimited number of people in any given year. The only number that matters is the total 85 scholarships. So if BYU loses a bunch of these guys to the to the transfer portal, there's not going to be any restriction on how many guys they can go add so long as they don't add more than 85 scholarship players in aggregate. Right. So uh, you, there's that. And I think it's going to change, but, and it's also, I think something that's interesting um, as you've seen, like, you know, Bama started taking transfers. Bama mm-hmm. never took transfers because they had guys up the butt that could go play and now they finally they took some transfers and when you an issue with transfers is that locker room like the culture it's very hard to maintain culture year over year when you have a large portion of inbound guys who are not the new guy on campus that doesn't know what they're doing where they kind of fall in line and go with everybody else it's they did it somewhere else before they have a way that they want to do it. They come up with a chip on their shoulder or an ego of how they want to work and how they want to do things. It's hard to maintain that year over year. So I think with the transfer portal, I'm not saying that there's going to be like G five teams magically, you know, finding all these guys and scooping them up, but there will, I think there will be more variety because I mean, and by variety, I mean, instead of the same, like five or six teams, it's going to be more like 12 or 15 teams Mm-hmm. Where it's like Alabama is way down this year, but look at Tennessee and TCU because they hit on ones when Alabama didn't. So the yeah. like the, the variance is going to be a little bit wider and, and there's going to be a little bit more variety. And I think despite what you say about how you hate transfers and NIL and stuff, I think that's healthier for the sport because push come to shove. I think the thing that bugged us the most was that it felt like there were only yes. five schools that had a chance to win every year. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I would say that it even could be extended beyond that. Like, I think there will be any given school can hit the lottery now. And that's what the transfer portal does. Like, you look at Kansas State, realistically, there's no reason that Kansas State should have been good. Like, if you look at last year, they had some pieces, they had some momentum, but in no way did you look at Kansas State and say, oh, that's a team who's going to be ranked next year and consistently knock off the upper echelon of the Big 12. But they they had a, a strong running back at Deuce Vaughn. They had some offensive linemen. And then they hit gold with Adrian Martinez. Like, he hasn't been Peyton Manning for, for Kansas State, but he's been really good, really, really good, efficient, protects the ball, and gets the ball to his playmakers like Deuce Vaughn. And now Kansas State is a top 20 team. And I think what the transfer portal is going to do is it's going to allow that to happen. And I think you're dead on, Garrett, that look at Oklahoma. They gambled on Dylan Gabriel. That did not pan out. And now Oklahoma is middling around 500. People are going to look at Brett Venables and say it's his fault, coaching change, this, that, this, that. Yeah, they got crappy quarterback play and everything else just sort of fell apart. Like look, that, at how, look at the games at UCF when they were pretty mad last year and now they're in a pretty looking at a pretty decent shot of – well, if they knock off Tulane again, they beat them mm-hmm. last week in the con- whatever the conference championship ends up being, 
they're pretty damn good when Jodrys Pumley's been healthy, and he looks right. like a completely different player than when he was at Ole Miss. Exactly. Washington State's another example that they got the what's his name Cameron Ward from Incarnate Ward or whatever that yeah. school is, right? That he's for real. He's very good, and they he is taking a can or a, excuse me a Washington State team that was losing a coach that had lost their own quarterback and Jaden Delora. Like Wazoo was a mess. They're not contending for the playoff, but man, they're only one or two pieces away for being really good this year. They they hit the lottery with the quarterback position. And that is what the transfer portal will be. And if you're a BYU fan going into the Big 12 next year, yeah, there's a ton of question marks. And in a traditional uh, roster transition year, BYU's going to be bad. And BYU might be bad in 2023. But let's just say for funsies that... BYU adds Hank Bachmeyer, and turns out Hank Bachmeyer is the quarterback that we thought he was coming out of high school, but he was handed the keys too early, a ton of pressure on him at Boise State, and he just needed a new environment, a change of scenery, right? We give professional athletes this excuse all the time. You know, Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Cavs, and it's like, oh, change of scene. He's going to be rejuvenated and play better, and lo and behold, he is. But college kids go get a change of scene, and it's like, ah, no, he sucked at Boise, so he's going to suck. What if he just needs a change of scene, a different coach, a different voice? Hank Bachmeyer for funsies, we say he comes to BYU. He looks like that four-star quarterback that he was in high school. And all of a sudden, BYU's 2023 outlook is vastly different than what it is right now. I would sleep so much better at night if I knew that Hank Bachmeyer was going to be on (laughs) campus for spring ball. And and it could be any number of quarterbacks, and that's what's so crazy. The other thing that's going to be crazy is, you know, I get people who ask me like, hey, who are the transfer targets? Nobody knows right now because, because the portal, the NCAA change it. The portal is yeah. not even open. So guys will say on Twitter that they're going to transfer, but there is not like, it's not actually open. Coaches cannot actually talk to people. Right. right now. And that's the difference. So there is a six week transfer window now. And that six week transfer window. Speaking of soccer, look at this. This is like, we planned this call back to the beginning of the show. There's a transfer window where everything is going to happen. Like, there's going to be guys who are at it after the transfer window, maybe guys who don't sign until later on. But I think you can kind of bank on that six weeks being transfer bonanza of players hitting the portal and players signing and getting out of the portal. On the one hand, it's kind of annoying where it's like, oh, they made the portal thing, but now it's like transfer season is a thing. And it's like, it is fun, right? Like, we we have the football season. And then there's the coach season is over, which I guess the transfer season. When are they lining it up? It's like December first to like the uh, yeah. It's it really is like it's kind of like the early signing period run, right? And so it's like you kind of the yeah. It's like December. It's like there's no games, but you like the ability to convince yourself. Like think of yourself. Remember way back yonder when Chris Brooks. We signed. It was like, oh, we signed this Chris Brooks kid from Cal. Yeah, he was. He started for a few years there. He was pretty good, dude. He's like two hundred and thirty pounds. Right. Oh, check out this film. He can run. Now imagine the excitement and how much you convinced yourself that there was going to be no drop off, and we all did it. That there'd be very little noticeable drop off from Tyler Algier because, like, yes, there'd be a drop off, but because the line was going to get better than it would be, you know, it would it would make a difference, and it, so it was like the running game was still going to be as solid, and we could count on it. We did it. I was guilty of it. I, I bought the hype, and that was just off of one guy. Mm-hmm. But now, 
Jeff, we can do that with like eight guys, oh, 10 yeah. guys. I can cheer when certain players that I will not name on this podcast because they are still part of the program and I will pretend <laughs> to love them until I see their ass go out that door. I will, I will, pr- I will praise the football gods when some of these guys transfer out. I will praise them doubly so when other guys transfer in. We go, let's go get us some freaking dude from D three. I will try to find a way to convince myself that he is the next JJ Watt. Yeah, yeah. So I'm there. Transfer. I'm it's we need to live. If you want BYU going forward, like I mean, it's what before Gonzaga became the place where. Every, you know, the number one, number two guys in the country were signing there every year because they want to play for Mark Few. Mark Few lived off of this, right? Mm -hmm. He found guys that were highly recruited, went where they expected to play, didn't seem like it was a good fit, and he built his program around being a transfer place to be. Like, that's what Bill Snyder did that at K-State, where it's like, we're going to go Juco heavy. It's hard to recruit to Manhattan, Kansas. Most people don't want to live here for four years. If we can win a little bit, you can probably convince people to live here for two, right? And so that's where BYU can go. It's like we need the the transfer portal was made for BYU. One, I am tired of hearing about how the honor code is such a hindrance that it will prevent BYU from playing. One, there is enough LDS talent. You look mm-hmm. at Utah's offensive and defensive line. Like if you look at the three deep on Utah's defensive line, like 80% of them are return missionaries. All of those, like half of those guys, they should be in Provo, right? And then it's there. Look at the LDS talent that's going to other schools, and then to assume that there are not players in the country out of the millions of high, hundreds of thousands of high school football players, that there are not ones that are talented enough to play FBS football that have similar beliefs and moral standards, is like that's just wrong to think now that means that the recruiting staff needs to work twice as hard as everyone else three times as hard 10 times as hard to go find those guys but they're out there go find them and then go find the guys who like what was it i think it was squally canada when he transferred one of the things he said he was like i went to washington state had a little bit too much fun needed to transfer i realized i needed a place where i could focus on football keep me in line and i and he knew that's what he needed like he needed a place that would keep him straight and and moving along and BYU can offer that and there's a lot of guys that will enter the portal who will say hey like i i need somewhere to like tell me focus that will keep me in line and we can do that and sell yeah. it don't yeah. don't try to skirt around it don't try to like be like oh the honor code this whatever just like own it sell it market it as a feature not a bug and just go do it and you know what it's funny is you read all of this like the stats about like gen zers people drink less now gen z millennials not even millennials it's gen z now gen zers drink less than than you know boomers did or even millennials did gen zers are the ones who byu has to recruit like it's right. sort of aligning that like hey this is part I mean, of the other stuff that's very not aligned. I know, <laughs> but we're eliminating what we can when we can. And that's yes. a big part of it. So great. If you're drinking glass, perfect. We got the place for you. Stone cold soap. My, my voice just cracked. Like I was going through puberty. That was BYU's oh my gosh. going through puberty as we enter the uh, next year. Uh, um, tomorrow is a big day for me. I am more excited about the Utah high school state championships 
for 6A and 5A that I think I have been for any BYU game except for Baylor. That was a bold statement, Jeffrey. I'm pumped. And maybe it's the coverage and getting to do our college game day show that I'm so pumped about. But KSLSports.com, it'll start at 10 a.m. We do a college, it's like a high school game day show. We do picks. We do coverage. We, uh, I talked about the Bard and Bellas last week. I mean, it's fun. Me, Dusty Litster, uh, Dane Stewart, Brian Brown, we have a heck of a time. But on the field, at 11 o'clock, you're going to have Corner Canyon take on Sky Ridge. That game is loaded with talent. Owen Borg is already committed to BYU. Uh, Cash Dillon has a BYU offer. Isaac Wilson obviously has a BYU offer on the Corner Canyon side. There's a handful of other guys who I think will get a BYU offer. On the Sky Ridge side, you've got McKay Hillstead, who doesn't have a BYU offer, but I think he should have. Uh, you've got Smith Snowden, Tausilia Kana, uh, Tui Lolo at the defensive end is just as good as, as Akana, and he's only a sophomore. You're loaded with talent. Second game, Timpu versus Lehigh. Spencer Fano, uh, I know he's probably not going to come to BYU, but Spencer Fano is playing, so you still got to watch that. It's fun to watch. Micah Beckstead, little insider information for those of you who have stuck with us for this hour-long episode of the podcast. BYU is looking at Micah Beckstead a little harder now than they were, say, a week ago. I don't know what that means. Based off of that one-game performance. Uh, based off of, uh, now I know that they are. Right. So, um, Micah Beckstead's for real. He's very, very good. Uh, Tana Kua has a BYU offer. Um, who else? Ciala Acer is a commit. I did see, uh, via Facebook that Mm -hmm. I I did also realize that Micah Beckstead is related to the Peely family. I did not Um, know that until this week. Here's the thing about Micah Beckstead. I'm going to get on my soapbox because I've been on this soapbox for a week. Uh, Micah Beckstead, I, I stood next to him on the sideline during warmups, and he had cleats on and all that crap, but I'm right at six feet tall. I'm, I'm maybe a little taller than six feet, right? And he had cleats on, but I was looking up at him. like So he was taller than I am. Take away his cleats. He's in that range, right? He's in the six-foot-ish range. He's probably 215, and I would be willing to bet that he runs – an 11 flat hundred and probably a four, four, five, four, six, 40. He's not going to be like it. blazing fast dude. He's also a soccer player. His footwork is maybe the most impressive thing that I've ever seen from a high school running back in the state of Utah. You know, his, uh, his soccer playerness that's like reminiscent of when, uh, and that be the when uh well, gosh why can I Brady Christensen was like oh well he's an offensive lineman but he was the center fielder on the football team <laughs> yeah on the you know, baseball like, team there's not a lot of running backs who also play soccer yeah that are that size if they do it's like oh they're a little scat back of course they can bounce right. around not not I'm 215 pounds in high school and will lower my shoulder and run you over yeah this dude's thick uh, he's got excellent footwork we talked about him on our broadcast last week. And we were trying to figure out the right comparison for him of like local running backs. And everybody says, oh, he runs like Harvey Younger. Like, yeah, okay, he breaks some tackles. You gotta stop like, saying everyone over 210 pounds runs right. like Harvey Younger. He, he breaks some tackles like Harvey Younger, but he doesn't run anything like Harvey Younger. The, the closest, and I mean this with sincerity, the closest comparison, not because they play similar, but the way that they, the way that they make plays is Britton Covey. 
when he was at Timview. Britton Covey used, like he never got touched, but Britton Covey, it was his balance that was so special, right? He has one of the most unreal highlight films that I've ever seen. That he could, when he did get touched, his ability to just absorb contact and keep going forward was absolutely unique. And then you saw that carry through all the way through his Utah career and now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Micah Beckstead has that kind of balance. He's a bigger player. He's taller. He's thicker. Uh, he's not as fast. He's not as quick. I'm not saying he's Britton Covey. But in that one unique aspect of balance, which is something that isn't talked about enough when looking at running backs, Micah Beckstead has some Britton Covey in him. I will stand for Micah Beckstead all day long. Uh, Mate Monga also plays. Helaman Kasuga is a freshman at quarterback for Timpview. Remember that name. Not because it's Helaman. Which well, you shouldn't forget it. It's not... <laughs> If, if, there's a, if there's a guy named Helaman and he doesn't play at BYU, the BYU is doing something just catastrophically wrong. But Helaman Kasuga is a freshman, and I am ready to proclaim him as the next big deal at quarterback in the state of Utah. I think that's a fair assessment. Also, something you ever notice that it's like you see a white kid from Orem named Helaman, and it's like, oh, you're a total like What nerd. a square. <laughs> yes, but then when it's a poly kid from – it's like – Polynesians can pull off Book of Mormon names yeah. so much better. It's just yeah. like, oh, you chill, dude, whatever. It's like, it's not weird. But then if you know the white kid who has the weird Book of Mormon name, you're like, oh, that family homeschools. Like, they, <laughs> they are, they, they live in a bunker. They're preppers. Like, we can they say that because my wife is sitting here next to me. She was homeschooled. And I, I don't, for the record, I don't think there's anything wrong with being homeschooled. Well, depending on the situation, if you want to homeschool your kids to like shelter them straight up, like make sure they never see the sunlight. That's mm-hmm. weird. That's wrong. But like if whatever, if it works for your family, that's fine. I don't know judgment, but you know, it was a different time when we well, grew up. Well, Je- Jess was homeschooled and her brothers, they're not Book of Mormon names, but there is McKay and Lee and Benson. So prophet names. Mm, that, but I like yeah. them. I like them a lot. But you're right; they were homeschooled. Blink twice if she's making you say that. No, she's not. She's <laughs> not. The last thing is Lehigh. They're playing. BYU hasn't offered the Lehigh guys, and I can't for the life of me figure it out. Jackson Brousseau is going to Colorado State. He's a very good quarterback. I stood next to Jackson Brousseau, and and uh, I he he's like Ben Roethlisberger. This man's a mutant. He's like he's every bit of the six foot six that he's listed, and he's thick. I don't know how people bring him down. Like he is a big hoss. Bobby Terrell is unbelievable. Katie on sweat. I have been on a soapbox saying, "Offer him, please." Uh, I have a I have a a bone to pick with the local schools, particularly BYU, because that's who we follow. But really, pick a local school. I think that there is some unfair discrimination of the white defensive back from Utah. Are you I, talking about, what's his name, Kadeon Sweat? Kadeon Sweat. Okay, for one, he should not be offered because Kadeon is not a real name. Do not, do not encourage his parents. That's fine. That's fine. But Sweat is a dope football name. This is true. So I think it nullifies... The, any any issues that anybody may have with the first name. If I told you that there was a 
six foot one. And I'm not saying this is a race thing. I'm saying it's white defensive backs from Utah. All three of those things. Because if there was a white defensive back in Texas, and I told you, hey, as a junior, they were an 11-1 guy. They are 6-1. They are 205 pounds. And they had 15 interceptions on the year and 90 tackles. And they are unbelievable, right? Like they bench, they, they're, they're big, they're strong. You would say, yeah, let's go get him. Katie on Sweat is that guy, but he's in Utah. So it's the combination of all three of those things. White, defensive back from Utah. There's not very many of those guys who are getting scholarship offers from any of the local schools. But Katie on Sweat, uh, I bet you by spring, we are looking at a guy who runs the 100 sub-11 who is every bit of 6'1", and is able to play in college at 210 pounds at the safety spot. I have no idea why the local schools would not offer that kid. So they have he, looking at, uh, he does have offers from Weber, Idaho State, Idaho, Eastern Washington, and then randomly Bryant. But basically, half the big sky has offered him. And uh, I think Air Florida. Force got in there as well. Okay. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, I saw... I. I mean, I didn't really see him much, but is, yeah, I saw him, uh, you know, I watched the games last week and the dude can scoot. He's got some swag too, man. Like that's, he picked up a celebration penalty, which the high school celebration rules are soft, but the way that he played with swag against a really good Stansbury team was fun. Uh, and speaking of Stansbury, I got to see our guy East at Baker. He's the real deal. Uh, he's the real deal. He he's is the, the real dude with he's the capital the, I. He is the fastest linebacker off the ball that I've ever seen. Like his ability to get into the backfield as a junior in high school is unreal. I don't mean ever seen ever. I mean ever seen as a junior in high school. Yeah. He he Easton Baker is going to be pending health. He's going to be amazing. He is. And it's it's weird. Like he is still like very light crew, but you see him too, and it's like He's just, he's a tank. Like he is, he's a stud. You know, like he is basically what he is, like what Jordan Pendleton was coming out of high school. Yeah, he's unreal. His little brother, Bronx, is 13. So that means he's an eighth grader. Uh, when I was at the Stansbury game a couple of weeks ago covering that game, I was at the sideline before the game, just, you know, taking pictures and, and seeing warm ups and who was playing, who was not, talking to coaches. And this man comes up, he walks, he's looking at me dead in the eye. He's every bit of six feet. He's he's big, he's bulky. He's like, hey, are you Jeff? Said, yeah, what's up, Dan? I mean, and this happens. When you're uh, when you're a D-list Twitter celebrity, this happens occasionally. He's like, yeah, I'm Jeff. You know, I, I reach out my hand to shake it. And I shake this man's hand. And I have the, I, I, I got the soft handshake. Like he beat me to it. He had the grip, you know, you know what that is. Yes. And, and I struggled. Like I was the, the flimsy hand in this handshake. This man was a man. And I was like, yeah, I'm Jeff, what's your name? He's like, oh, I'm Bronx. I was like, no, you're not. You're not Bronx. He's like, yeah, I'm Bronx. I was like, How old are you? He's like, I'm 13. Like, no, you're not Bronx. You're not 13. So one physically, this man was not 13. This was a man, This, but no, he was a boy. He was a child boy. But then also just like the mentality of like, this is a friggin' 13 year old kid that saw a reporter on the sideline that was like, I'm going to go introduce myself to that guy. Football guy. Oh my gosh. Like, like if, if you look up 
the pick if you look up football guy in the dictionary there's a picture of easton and bronx baker oh my gosh and then easton after the game so i talked to easton before the game after the game i had to go clear out to one side of the parking lot get something and then walk clear out to the other side so i'm walking back to my car and this is after the game stansbury's won and the entire student section is waiting outside the locker room for like the team to come out to celebrate the win and I see Easton Baker just holding his pads, walking to his car by himself. Everybody else is out celebrating the entire school. And I was like, Easton, bro, like you're going to the semifinals. What are you doing? Go celebrate. And he's like, oh, no, man, I got to go get a workout in and watch some film. And it's like football guy, football guy. And it never made sense. And then I met his dad on Saturday and they are carbon copies of his dad. Like they are his dad. So the Bakers, Craig, Easton, Bronx, I love all of you. And I hope. That you're in BYU lore forever. Parenting. Thank yeah. you. Please uh, have more children. All of them. I have a hundred boys. Do you think if we started a GoFundMe, do we think we could convince them to have more kids? We're like, hey, look, we'll, we'll, we'll cover the bills. I need an NIL well, so here's for your thing. kid from birth. If I could ensure that my kids grew up like Easton and they grew up like Bronx, I would have a thousand kids because I guarantee you that those kids have never spilled anything. Those kids have never made a mess. Those kids have never broken a rule. And if they have, they punish themselves. They didn't even need parents. Like, they are that mature, that adult. So if I could have kids like that, I'd have 100,000 kids. Incredible. That's what I, I bet you that they're already, like, bringing home salary and helping pay the bills. Like, that's how, how responsible this 13-year-old kid was. It was amazing. Dude, speaking of salary, tell, Jeff, I need you. Am I a mean parent? So... My daughter is in the, I'm three years old. Every time a toy doesn't move the way I want it to, I'm just going to keep pushing it as far as I can and break it and then cry that it's broken stage. And she broke a toy and she wanted to go get a new one. She wanted to fix it. And I said, okay, well, what do you, we can't fix it. We can't just, just like, well, let's tape it back together. But you can't tape a doll back together. It's not going to work. Right. And she said, okay, well, fine. So then she was over. I said, sorry, you broke it. We're not getting a new one. Throw it away. A couple days later, she broke – well, we thought she broke the iPad case, pulled it off like the little thingy. And I, my, my wife ended up fixing it because we learned it apparently detached a weird way we'd never done before on this case. And But I sat my daughter down and I said, you're going to have to work to buy a new one. I am not buying a new iPad case. And she said, but I can't work. I'm too little. And I said, I will take you around to our neighbor's houses and you can ask them what you can do to work. Oh my And they hell. will pay you. <laughs> she's three. <laughs> well, it's about damn time she pulls her weight around here. Okay. See. And then I texted our friends down the street and said, hey, do you have any stuff like weeds or anything that needs to be picked up? Because she's three. I said, I will Venmo you. <laughs> I, will, I will Venmo you. To get so you have money, like I will actually pay for it, but then like she needs to come do some work around here because this no. crap I ain't doing this. No, anymore. she's freaking three, she doesn't even remember why she's pulling those weeds. But guess what? You know how many things she's broken since I had that conversation with her? You probably could, it's been all of three days, Jeff. This is the I, first three day streak we've ever had with her. I have a jar of jalapeno mustard. And that's what my three-year-old gets. Just a little dabble of the jalapeno mustard. It's spicy and it's gross, but it's effective. It's fast, and he doesn't make mistakes either. 
Dude, maybe we need to bust out the hot sauce. Find yeah. out how Mexican she really is. She doesn't like anything spicy. I was actually gonna ask you that, but I couldn't figure out how to do it in a she. In a she does not. She does not like way. the spicy. She does not like spicy food. So it's not a natural thing. No, Baker will eat spicy food. Well, it's weird because so she has like dark complexion. He is freaking albino like me, but mm. she is like darker even than my wife is. And then, but Baker will eat spicy food sometimes, but he she will not. Like what tonight, are you, what are you? Are you Armenian? Is that what no, we decided? I'm freaking white as hell. Where dude, did we I'm... talk about Armenians? Was it Sarkeesian? Is that where we were talking yeah, about Ar- Armenians? Steve Sarkeesian. Yes, Steve Sarkeesian is Armenian. Hunter Clegg is going to Armenia, so congrats oh, to yeah. him. Um, the I had an Armenian companion. Probably talked about that once. He had a unibrow. Mm. That when we FaceTimed or when we Skyped by family on Mother's Day, my niece asked if he col- colored his eyebrow in with a Sharpie as a joke. Did he? No, it was ah, just that just real. That was um, a, a Marge but, uh, Simpson unibrow. No, my son is like, he is like a white boy, white boy like me. And he'll he'll eat the spicy food. But even then, I'll eat spicier food more than my wife. But it's interesting. It, so it is not genetic. I we, wondered. I, I honestly we, wondered. Although I do think it is genetic that the, what is that stuff, like tahine? Putting like the chili. Oh, that lime stuff, crap? Yeah, that's The like gross. chili, lime chili powder and like putting that on like water, like on mangoes. That is disgusting. I hate Barf. it. I cannot do it. Yeah, Me yeah. and my mother-in-law are the only people in the family that cannot stand it. So that yeah. one might be genetic. All right. But there you go. <laughs> that's our show. It's our show. This is, I feel like we really got back. We did take a buy last week unannounced. Nobody noticed because BYU had a buy, so they didn't really care. That's fine. We also um, didn't notice. I didn't notice that we took a buy. I, yeah, I mean, I, I went to Mexico last week, so whatever, it's fine. And then the, it was, we were all over the place. Our schedule didn't line up. You were, you were moving above and beyond going and doing better things on KSL. Um, we have, it's kind of, we haven't been like, you've been writing more than I have, but it's, we need to get back into a little more rhythm with the newsletters. I do have an idea for once. I will crank something out tonight. Uh, I will say the, the, they've been sporadic, but I've made sure that we hit three a week. Yes, we haven't. It hasn't been consistent. Uh, or like it's been the timing. weird, weird it, timing, but it's it, been three a week. Yes, because a lot of times we'll get it and we'll be like, okay, we're going to send it out at like nine o'clock in the morning, whatever. Now it's just like, nope, we're sending it when we send it, and that's when you get it. Um, and I think that that's how I want it to stay. I like it too, because it, it puts like less pressure and then it doesn't trap us in so much. Like maybe there's some weeks we get like six, whatever, that's fine. Yeah, right. And so. It's and if we if you and I each send one the same day, lucky, lucky for you. Lucky you. Yes. Exactly. So it has been a great episode. Uh if you have not joined us on the Discord, come sign up. If it seems like it's mostly dead in the free channels, that's probably really because it is. The real party starts in the VIPs. Come join us. I have one thing. Okay. Uh we need to over the course of the next seven days, people, I need you to send us your ideas. I don't know what we will and will not do. But I'd like to get the Give Em Hell Brigham community together to do something for someone for Christmas. So come up with your ideas and we'll yes. figure out what we can implement. Give them heaven. On give Christmas. them heaven. The and with that, Jeff, I'm not even gonna say give them hell because like it's Utah Tech. They yeah. don't just they don't enjoy need hell. The game. Yeah, just have a great time. Enjoy the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. it, it Take your kid. This will be if you have little kids. Take them to this game. Give and, them a cougar tail. Get them a cougar tail and tell them that Utah Tech is Bama. They are and a real what, school. They are a real school. They are a top ten team. Your kid doesn't know the difference, and they will think it's amazing when we win sixty-five to ten. There you go. Whatever it is. So until next week, Jeff. 
Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>